0: stories my half of midnight on an empty ocean wind is a language that knows more than most tonight it moans and whispers i stand where i always do the metal railing offering little safety on an ice-covered deck, watching for signs of life in a place that sleeps less and less. Night overlaps the creaking ice sheets that stretch into the horizon. It is a clear night and the moon peers down at our lonely boat, the only object visible. I wonder if time will shape my face like it did hers, For years, I thought I had escaped any trace of her at all. But the mirror looks back at me, now and then, with her eyes and her chin. And her laugh catches me off guard, still, when I think that I have left her far behind. I feel myself growing older now and then. Not growing pains like the year I turned fourteen. Long legs like bean poles, they all said. I didn't pay much attention to the rate of growing, only the long nights crying silently as needles dug themselves into every muscle, darkness winding itself around my body, encasing me in my agony. During the day, swollen crescent moons lived below my tired eyes and did well to mimic the thickening around my heart. She'd already left by then. It was only a short time afterwards that I'd wished she stayed long enough to save my father the task of reassuring me that I wasn't dying when my first blood came. and black flowers of anger burst open and faded just as quickly in my chest. In my bed at night, I'd whisper things into the blackness that I'd been told never to say out loud. Rage on those nights of agony, knives and poison slicing through my have wished something true. I had blamed her for it all. The fears came then, flittering in like mosquitoes in shadows. Even though I knew with all the logic I had that the angry wishes of a fourteen-year-old girl in the night could not possibly change the fate of anyone, I began to fear my thoughts. I began to fear the fate of those around me. I began to fear the anger that would consume me and what it could do to others. And even though I never stopped running, the echoes of those same wishes still find me, even here on a frozen ocean. I am not alone, physically, but in my heart, I have never been close to anything. I live on a boat a million miles away from that little bed that felt the agony of my teenage years. The seagulls here sound different to those where I was raised, they are mournful here as if they sing the fractures of my heart, they know the ache that still sits in my beanpole pole legs. You have run as far as you can go, they tell me, and yet I still yearn to run further. There is a lot of time at sea for me to spin through thoughts and fears and very few people to interrupt them. Seasons the only forces standing between myself and my own, own self-consumption, watching them and waiting, observing and noting changes. A lot of time i It's no longer. rapidly in recent years, that its population has more than halved, and life there is no longer so pleasurable, or even endurable. The Arctic, a frozen wasteland, not so frozen as it should be. I am here for love, a love of a place that understands stillness. My task is one that only those with broken hearts can tend to. The Western world still smiled while signs of its end became speeding realities. We watched each year as less life could be sustained in a place it always has been, unaffected by humans, except for now. I feel real here, in the stillness, in the slow death of the world and the knowledge of it nibbling constantly, like small fish in my skull. Alone amongst a team of ten men Norwegian, Danish, one old Englishman, and myself. Four scientists. was a short sort of desperate plan for forgiveness from God. An empty promise to convince myself I was capable of love. I was proved wrong. It was after my mother had left and before I had left the small seat side town that raised me. I finished high school and started working on a trawler and met him. My catch of the day, they all joked at the wedding. I want to say I loved him, but I would be lying. I just let myself fly out behind him like a little kite, loose in the wind, one string between us. I wanted to be forgiven and kisses were as good as sorries. When you have become mindless with voices that shriek in your mind. He was angry at first. I picture it now and then. I left only a note, cowardice I know. But I like to imagine it didn't take him long to know that I was never worth keeping. I would never love him because I did not know how such things were done. It was only a matter of time before he figured it out for himself. The ice sheets break angrily against the boat and I smell the death smell that comes with boats that spend too many months at sea, even when they are frozen. The smell of emptiness lingers soulless beings drifting in the night I whisper sorry to a dark sky and watch my words blow into icy particles the last island of ice in a night, waiting for someone to hear its pain. He does not expect me to answer him, so I don't. Instead I meet his gaze. Dark wrinkles frame eyes the same colour as the ocean below. A balaclava covers the softest parts of his face. His eyes become resigned as they slip from me to his overcoat pocket. I watch him rummage and he extracts out of it a pouch of tobacco. He peels off one black glove and the rest is familiar, as he expertly pulls out a paper and a filter one-handed and pinches off the perfect amount of tobacco, licking the edge of the paper and rolling it into a perfect cylinder. His bleak eyes find mine again and his fingers lift the cigarette a millimetre higher. It is a question and I nod. The old man passes it to me and I watch in fascination as he goes through the process again. My father used to smoke. I am uncomfortable speaking, so I am surprised when the quiet men processing, in their own ways, what it means to live on this boat. We all know the old game that plays in our heads. Maybe next time I return we all secretly think the chaos will have settled, though none of us can decide whether it is a changed world or an ended one that we would prefer to return to. All those advertisements about cigarettes causing cancer didn't do much to stop people. Addiction's addiction. Humans. We'll find whatever we can to fill the holes that don't have beginnings and don't have ends. He finishes the sentence and puts the cigarette to his lips and draws out of his pocket a small packet of matches. Covering the end of his mottled hands to light the cigarette, he sucks deep and leans towards me with one cupped hand and the tiny match still alight. I lean in and then just as the match reaches the tip of my cigarette, the wind's icy lips appear and the flame is gone. My mother used to say that humans took on dangerous habits because it was easy to slowly self-destruct and commit to consistent personal growth. I didn't know what she meant then. We grew up with the knowledge that the ice caps are melting, polar bears were drowning in the microbes that make up coral in the ocean, was unable to live in boiling seas. We talked about doing something about it and sometimes we rose up and did things for the planet that we knew we were killing. More often, it was easier to just sit in habits that didn't help at all. We knew that smoking caused cancer. I gave up hope on humanity even before I left school. I didn't come here for them, I came here for me, pretending I wanted something bigger than myself to fill the hole that my mother's disappearance from my life ripped into me. The man draws a breath on his cigarette and coughs as he fumbles to light another match. I take the cigarette out of my mouth and look at it. I never smoked when I was young because I thought it was stupid. I watched my father take up cigarettes when my mother left. And to be honest, I don't know if it killed him. I've been away so long now with no word from home. He could have died from cigarettes or he could have burnt to smithereens in the fires that raged through my homeland. Maybe he was drowned when the sea levels rose and took out so much of Australia's coastline. I don't know. I assume, like most of the life I left behind when I embarked on this expedition, that he is gone. What I do know is that cigarettes, to my father, was a symbol. What appears as medicine to a broken heart can often mask the true damage of a problem. I smoked much later when it made me feel a part of something. I stopped out of guilt and then started, then quit again. I began to associate the smell with weakness and I let the habit fall away with the life that it represented. With frozen fingers I flick the cigarette into the broken ice below and my eyes are caught by a movement above me. In the moonlight a dark flecked shape scoops the air and in the half-light I see a beak curved in a half circle. A wimble. The man has lit another match only to realise that the cigarette is no longer entwined in my gloved fingers. Just follow mine. We both know what a wimbrel's journey to this part of the Arctic means. Our job here is almost done. Warmth will creep over the Arctic soon and the ice will melt. We will count the remaining animals come to breed and we will measure how much more of the largest ice sheet left in the Arctic has melted. We will update the world, the rate in which the sea levels are rising, and give warning. They fly all the way from Australia, I comment. The man's eyes smile, half circles crinkled with age and then pan across the horizon that is the color of a pack of wolves in the dim light. Your mother would be pleased, the man jokes, indicating the cigarette that has by now been eaten by wetness and dark. I see the hole that exists inside of me With her face on it. I smile. Why are you really here? I think. A laugh trickles from my mouth. The old man joins me. My mother, I think. I watch the whimbrel's silhouette continue on in midnight's moonlight sky, fulfilling its instinctual migratory flight. I wonder if it was able to nest this year and how it survived. When its usual habitat of estuaries and tidal flats would mostly be well underwater by now with the rising sea levels. Each year they fly to the place I was born. I wonder how much is left of the little seaside town I grew up in and whether the people that lived there survived.